The following episode of Epic Fail is brought to you by Spoke, a new free listening app from Sirius XM. The following is an at-will presentation. You, you want to hear my story about my epic fuck-up? I really do. All right, here it goes. When I first started on Broadway... I shot. <laughs> and that time, I did get a black eye. And he starts shaking, but one by one, the cast has to turn towards me. me and my character yells straight in a circle. And I got the part. Hi everyone, Jenna Ashkowitz here, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Epic Fail, the podcast where we hear stories from performers about the time they failed on stage, on screen, and on set. This week, we're bringing you stories about awkward moments on stage. Joining me this week, star of the HBO series The Sopranos, Jamie Lynn Sigler, movie and theater actor Phil Ettinger, star of the TV show Full House, John Stamos, star of the upcoming Broadway musical SpongeBob SquarePants, Lily Cooper, from Broadway's School of Rock, J. Michael Zygo, Comedy Central's comic to watch, Josh Sharp, star of Broadway's Wicked, Jackie Burns, from the podcast Welcome to Night Vale, Kevin R. Free. First up, this story from my friend Jamie Lynn Sigler from her early days on Broadway. I played Belle in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway, which is still like one of my most favorite times of my life. And as you can imagine, I mean, things go wrong in life theater, but especially when you have people dressed as utensils, like, you know, it's, there's like crazy costumes and a lot of sets and things can go wrong. And so Be Our Guest is quite like the elaborate number. And I remember there was one time where in the middle of the song, uh, there's a part where Mrs. Potts asked Belle, like, two two lumps or three of, like, sugar in her tea or whatever it is. And there was a lady dressed as a sugar bowl. So I turned to the lady to tell her how many lumps of sugar I want. And I can see she's got this panic look in her face. <laughs> and I can't quite tell what's happening, but I have to go do some dance in the corner. And when I come back... I see that she is gone, but her boot is stuck in, like, the track where it made a T of the set. Her heel got perfectly stuck, and it was just standing there in the middle of the stage. So, of course, the audience is laughing because it's me and, like, a knee-high boot, like, in the middle (laughs) of the stage. So I try to maneuver this thing out, and I can't. It's like I'm trying with all of my might. I've got seconds, and I couldn't do it. So I run to the side. And, like, the forks are flipping and the rug is tumbling (laughs) and everyone's doing it around this boot. And the audience is just dying laughing. And the stage manager's whispering to me from offstage. She's like, Jame, I need you to get that boot. And I'm like, okay, okay. (laughs) So as soon as there's, like, a clearance, I run and I'm on the floor, like, trying to get it up. And it's not, it's not moving. It's, like, embedded in the stage and so I run back again and more people are doing tumbling and she's like Jamie I don't care what you have to do get that effing boot I'm like okay okay so finally in the middle of everyone dancing I just walk like with the most confidence I ever could have up to this boot with my ass to the audience and like out comes like Excalibur like the sword from the stone this fucking boot from the middle of the stage and everybody's cheering and believe it or not in this same performance the beast does this thing where he's supposed to rip Belle's sleeve by accident and he caught my hair and pulled my wig off (gasps) so I just (laughs) Belle is so horrified she runs off and ran off the stage in my wig cap it was just not the best Sunday matinee let me tell you we were all super tired (laughs) 
The trench pulling Matilda can be a really challenging role to play. Let's hear Ben Thompson explain some of those challenges firsthand. You played the Trunchbull in Matilda. I did play the Trunch. Oh, man. The Trunchbull has a really big number. There's a couple of... I did... The ribbon dance did eat me a couple of times. That's <laughs> that's worth saying. Yeah, she has a ribbon dance. I dressed as a 65-year-old woman. The Trunchbull. The Trunchbull. You guys. The Trunch. You don't know who the Trunch is. The Trunchbull. Trunch and she's you know she's very rude and she's angry and she doesn't like the little children because she's lonely. <laughs> whatever. But she has a ribbon dance in Act 1. And... There were definitely times where you're flinging that ribbon around and you have these massive, like, double F boobs and things get caught. And then you're, like, sitting there and you're supposed to be, like, perfect, but you're covered in a ribbon. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it's like, get out. Just get out. Leave me alone. Leave me with my ribbon. I'll take care of it from here. Thank you. Goodbye, Jenny. Thank you. <laughs> just, you just have to, like, work it into that. Yeah, just figure out a way to make it work because that ribbon will eat you and then you have to but then the end of the number you have to you're supposed to do this like big twirly twirl thing to get it out of the way and you go back to the table but half the time you're like tripping over it (laughs) next Phil Ettinger tells us his awkward tale from a performance of Bad Jews you know the show is like kind of a dark comedy it deals with religion and and all this other stuff it kind of ends with my brother and and his girlfriend uh, storming out closing the door and it's like like a final like intense moment so it was like super heated and everything and and it was like extra heated that night and my brother goes to leave and he like just looks back says his line and then he's like we're going and he like goes to open the door and he I think he just he was so into it he like ripped the doorknob off the handle and, uh, and so we were all, like, locked into the room together. <laughs> and the way that it happened was there was kind of like a fake fourth wall. So, like, they, so it was open, but there was a door that you, like, walked through mm-hmm. to get out. And so there was, like, 15 seconds of, like, complete awkwardness where I saw, like, the fear in his eyes. And we were like, what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> like, we literally can't finish the show. Like, we're locked on stage together. And then finally, kind of, like, in a cartoon like way he like reaches his hand like through the fourth wall opens the door now from the other side and like pops it open which got like an uproarious laugh <laughs> because all of a sudden the show became like absurdist when right. it was like so naturalistic the whole time walks through the door closes it <laughs> and then in the final moment then then there's like an awkward silence that like usually happens because it's like my character finally stands up for himself and it's like this dramatic thing and, and it's emotional and stuff <laughs> and like I had to like physically turn my back completely to the audience and I just like my body was like convulsing with laughter and I was trying so hard to keep it <laughs> together <laughs> but, I, but I couldn't Full House was one of my favorite TV shows growing up, and I couldn't believe what John Stamos had to say about some extremely awkward moments filming one of America's favorite TV shows. There was an epic fail with, um, we always had animals on there. And uh, one week, uh, one of the kids brought a donkey home. I don't know why, I can't remember. And Michelle, you know, the, the Michelle character, she's probably about two, you know, a couple feet high and sort of standing on the dock. And the donkey got an enormous erection. And we were trying to kind of get through it. And people were laughing. I didn't really know what was happening because, you know, you could, but there, you know, it was like a three foot, which was, you know, just as tall as the Michelle character. And, you know, Saget, you know, finally everybody just lost it. But those guys would, you know, there was a lot of, goofing around on, the, on that show. You had a live audience, 
it was easy to, to mess up, but also, you know, those two, you know, Bob kind of. and Dave were comedians. So Dave had a bit of a, and still does, had a, a gas issue. So oh, that element gosh. never really stopped him from, because <laughs> we were taping. Just, you know. And the kids were all, you know, like ass height of him too, which is not. <laughs> Next up, Lily Cooper shares an awkward story involving her scene partner. In Spring Awakening, we had we had a lot of micography, microphoneography, so we yeah. had to hand off microphones, right? A lot of them were handheld, but a lot of them were on stands. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right before my song starts, Lauren has to come on and bring me my microphone and place it right in front of me on a mic stand. But there's like this elevated step that you have to step up onto, and and it's dark at this moment because there's like a spotlight on me, and the rest of the stage is sort of dark. dark. So she grabs the mic stand, <laughs> doesn't quite gauge the step properly, makes an actual nosedive directly in front of me onto the front center part of the stage. You hear the <laughs> entire audience <gasps> just like gasp. <laughs> then she like like a pro just gets up quickly, puts the microphone, and scurries away. And like I have to start the song immediately. It was. Awful. Like, I was, like, so worried that she was hurt, but it was also hilarious. Everybody's just laughing. And, like, everybody was just laughing. You could hear all the actors being, like, <laughs> in the background. That was great. Did you laugh or did you have to – did you sing? I think you I was more like – yeah, we managed to – we – you know what? We didn't laugh until she joined me. Uh-huh. She sings, like, like the second half. Yeah, she the sings song. the second half. So she joins me and we sort of, like, hold each other for it. <laughs> and so at first when she walked away, I was, like, mortified, thought that she got hurt. But then when she joined me, puts her arm around my waist – and I just feel us both like shaking and laughing because it was so and, like no sound ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Really I wanted to take a few moments to tell you about Spoke, a new listening app from Sirius XM and a partner of Epic Fail. Spoke is more than just a podcast app. It's a social audio platform. You can listen to podcasts, radio programs, documentaries, and more. Have you ever had a difficult time finding a podcast? Well, Spoke has a team of curators, real live humans, not robots, who help you discover your new favorite podcast or show by finding the best moments and highlights and organizing them into thematic playlists. For me, there are so many podcasts that I want to listen to, but it's so overwhelming to start listening to each of them because I have no idea what I'm going to like or what's good. So this is like a friend sharing their playlist with you, allowing you to listen to the best clips from each song. If you like what you hear, you can join the conversation and leave a voice comment. You can also share anything you find on the app with friends or on social media. That's right. Hit me on the gram. You can download Spoke from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Go to hearspoke.com slash atwill to support Epic Fail or your favorite shows on the Atwill Network. J. Michael Zygo has been acting since he was a kid and still hasn't gotten over these two awkward moments from his college and high school theater days. I got in trouble with my friends one time. They were pretty <laughs> mad at me in college. Uh, we were doing we were doing falsetto land, mm-hmm. and I was Wizard, mm-hmm. and so it's in, the end of the show is very intense. it's very intense and serious, very and Wizard is Wizard is dying, and he's in his hospital bed, um, and all of the friends, uh, the other five, come to visit him in his hospital room, and there was one day where apparently I must have had something really terrible to eat that didn't agree with me, <laughs> and I was laying in the hospital bed, and I was like. Oh. I, I really, I really have to fart. Like it's really bad. I'm, I really have to get this out of me, and and so I did it, and it was, it was, it was silent, and I was like, okay, good, I got away with that. And then my friends enter 
the scene. Oh, no. And I could see on their faces <laughs> as soon as they hit the wall of, of stench. Like, I could see all of them. They walk into the room with, like, these really sympathetic looks on their face because they're coming to the <laughs> hospital to visit their dying friend and lover. And they just walk in, and all of a sudden I could see their faces just be like, <laughs> just, oh, and, and then they just all were looking at me with such... It's just like, how could you do that to us? You're like, I'm going to die now. And I was like, I was in bed just trying to be like, ah, sorry, guys, I can't really speak. And I'm trying to convey with my eyeballs that I apologize. But hey. <laughs> and then they, they were all making fun of me after. There was like, so I really love your method acting because the death fart <laughs> was was really appropriate. You couldn't dutch like, oven that thing and like with a blanket on the hospital bed. I was like, like guys, I, I guys, I really got into that character. I feel like <laughs> I feel like I feel like the death fart was I was really, really sick, yeah. I was really ill. Really, really and, ill. Yeah, and my friend my friend was like, Yeah, because there was something dying inside <laughs> of you. I was reminded of something that happened in high school as well. Uh, I was doing Anything Goes at this little theater called Gates Hall and I was playing Billy Crocker and uh one of the scenes, he comes out with a gun, like a pistol, like to, to threaten somebody. And somebody had messed with the gun backstage of the prop gun, and it was just missing. So I went to go grab it. And the stage manager just, like, looks around. I'm like, what do I do? And the stage manager looks around. She hands me a broom. <laughs> and she goes, use this. <laughs> and I said, what? That was her fault. Said, what? Did oh, you it's better than pointing a finger and going bang, bang. Did you use it? You so went on... I walked out very threateningly with a broom. Okay, Alphaba. <laughs> this was be- even before Wicked. But, oh, my God, that would have been great. Oh, if I could have made a Wicked reference in that. You went on with Just, like, swinging a broom, swinging a broom at these poor guys on stage. And the director, one of the guys, like, begged our director to keep it. And he was like, no. No. Come on. Improvisational comedy can be inherently awkward, and there is no one better than improv veteran Josh Sharp to explain just how awkward it can really get. So in college, I was doing a lot of sketch and improv and whatnot. I went to school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, down south, and it's surprisingly fertile comedy grounds. Um, there's like a lot. There's a little theater there, and a, a long-running, you know, school troupe, and yada yada yada. And I was doing a lot of like improv and sketch and blah blah. And we would do all these. There's sort of like two models for how the like college improv troops do it. Either it's like you do a show every week, and only your 30 friends come up, or we would do like two shows a year, like with a fucking DJ, and make it a party, and there'd be like 600 people, and you really felt like you felt like you were good at a thing that maybe you weren't that good at, you know? (laughs) And so then at a certain point, through a connection from that, me and my buddy Cece got asked to do an event that was being hosted by Crest White Strips. Uh, Yeah, you know, one of the great purveyors of comedy content in this (laughs) fair country, (laughs) this fair piss country. So um, we were going to do this event. We didn't know much about it, but I guess it was like sort of like a plug-and-play thing that they were doing promotionally all across the country where they would just go to colleges and basically had a format where they would like pick a student ambassador, pay him some money to organize an event, and the event was um, local comedian does 15 minutes, then we do an advanced screening of We Are Marshall. The idea of We Are Marshall is that they all die in a plane crash. <laughs> 
There was a plane crash, and 75 of the, this college's Marshalls football players died. And so a new coach comes on to, like, rebuild and everything. So it was like a feel-good sports story. Okay. So before that, they wanted a comedian, right? So they asked me and my buddy Cece to do something. We're like, this is great. We'll, like, write a two-man act. We thought we'd write this, like, super absurd, hammy-like thing. And we show up, it's in a movie theater, it's all football players who've arrived because they want to see the show. And also because it's in a movie theater and no one sat in front, there's like a physical barrier between us and the audience. There's like six empty rows. Terrible. And we opened with a joke that, um, well, I'll just give it to you and then we'll see how it was maybe ill-suited as a starter, where we were like, hi, we aren't Marshall, but we are CeCe and Josh and we're happy to be here opening for We Are Marshall, or as we like to call it, Remember the Titans 2. This time they're all dead at the beginning. And it was like silence and then a, two different football players went too far. One said too far and the other said, yeah, too far, dog. And then we just did 15 minutes to, and we stuck with it. And it was like such a terrible, like you... You came from, you know, like you thought you were good and you had a big audience that liked you. And then you showed up somewhere else and we're like, we can, we're good at this. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and also like, read your room, you know. Read your room. Know your reader. But we got paid $50 each and a bunch of Crest White strips. Next up, Jackie Burns explains what a no-fly show means during a performance in Wicked on Broadway. You had a no-fly show. How many no-fly shows? I think I've had more no-fly shows than any other girl. There was one week where the levitator, the computer, there was something wrong with it where I didn't fly for three shows. And so when you don't fly, you're just on the ground with this long-ass cape that's not being flown in the air, so nothing looks pretty. Well, yeah, no, so this is what's interesting. So when I was on tour for a year, I flew every single night. I never had a no-fly show. So when I got to Broadway, I didn't know about this no-fly show. And what happens when you have a no-fly show is you're in the dark, and literally the levitator just doesn't start going forward. It moves forward and then up. Okay. So all of a sudden you're singing, you know, it's not her. She has nothing to do with it. It's me. And you're supposed to be moving forward and then up. And so all of a sudden I'm in the levitator and it's not moving. And I was like, oh my God, while I'm saying, it's me, you know, and somebody taps you on the back, (laughs) taps you on the back and goes, B-show, B-show. No. And you have to literally, you're holding a broom and in the other, and while you're singing, find this little lever that's behind you in the dark to release the cherry picker so that it opens up, the claw arms open up so that you can walk down stage. (gasps) And there's all this different lighting and then all the fellow Aussians that come out have to lay on the ground. No. Literally lay on the ground. Look at her. She's wicked. Get her. You know, bring me down. I'm flying high. You're singing, I'm flying high. And they're laying on the ground and you're standing center stage. Usually the conductor is laughing at you. (laughs) Because, like, right in front of you, just laughing at you because you are the asshole who is standing. And everybody and else, are you, I would be laughing I, at all the people on the ground. But I didn't know, because I had never had a no-fly show, so I didn't know about the lying down thing. So all of a sudden, there's people <laughs> laying at my feet, looking up at me, and I've got the conductor laughing at me. And I'm like, what is happening? This is so awkward. And it was funny because it's the first time my parents came and saw the show. It was like a no-fly show. I was like... <sighs> And But the funny thing is, they didn't know. They were like, what do you mean? Because there's this different lighting and stuff. So, like, I guess from the audience it point must of view, it doesn't fine. look that crazy. But to you, you're yeah. the biggest asshole that's ever lived. It's just people lying at your feet and laughing at you. Oh, it's so awkward. It's so awkward. To finish this week, let's hear an epic fail story from Kevin R. Free that is literally the definition of awkward. When I was learning how to sing in high school, opera... I had a, an international diva, Phyllis Tectonitis, hmm. was my teacher. She only took big voices. 
So I said, oh, well, I have a big voice. So Thank she you said, so okay. much. Right. <laughs> so she taught me a few Italian arias, Italian arias, because I was in the South, a few Italian arias. And then she said, okay, it's time for you to work on some classical musical theater. And I was like, oh, great. She said, go get a Gershwin book. And I did. I got the Gershwin book. I sang I've Got a Crush on You, which is really a duet. So she was like, let's work on one of these that's a solo. So the song that she taught me that I sang for auditions was Swanee. How I love you, how I love you, my mm-hmm. dear old Swanee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the folks up north won't won't see me no more when I get to that Swanee shore. My mammy's waiting for me, praying for me down by the Swanee. Al Jolson sang the song in black face. That was my song. I sang it in solo at the vocal ensemble class in high school. I sang it as my big solo at the end of the school year, my senior year. I sang that song for my first audition as a freshman in college for the musical theater. I sang that song everywhere and had the nerve to end the song on one knee, arms outstretched. Had no idea. No. No one ever said, said no one, anything. And so my sophomore year, when like, you know, when sophomore year was like. Somebody w- said something. My, well, my blackness descended upon me. Sure. And like, you know, that that year of college where you're just sort of like, you know, I've gained 20 pounds and also I need to know, f- figure out who I am. Oh. So like I started coming out mm-hmm. and then I started doing black things. My aunt was like, oh, he's on his black kick. I remember she say, said that because I was like, <laughs> we, need, we need to get my sister some black dolls. Like I was like all mad about oh that shit. God. And then she was like. Oh, he's on his black kick. And that's when I started to discover minstrelsy. And mm-hmm. and I didn't, I just didn't, how did I not get it? My whole family is black. Like, how did I not know these mm-hmm. things? Mm-hmm. My father didn't like us to watch Dukes of Hazard because there was a Confederate flag on the car. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, mm-hmm. what the hell happened? Fail. I failed. And everybody around you failed. That's, that's right. That's the thing. That's Nobody right. said anything to you. We're not supposed to know everything in this life. That's right. All those people who were my friends back then. Fail. And if they're still in my life right now, I'm going to cut them out. You cut the fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cut the fat. Take care of my blackness, friends. That's right. Boom. That's a wrap on episode six. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow at at Will Radio and at Jenna Ushkowitz to stay updated with all the latest. I also want to hear your favorite fail from each one of my episodes. So go to my Twitter page to cast your vote now and the winners will be featured in the final episode we're calling the Epic Fail Awards, chosen by you, the listeners. Next week on Epic Fail... He pulls the wrong rope. He pulls it's going it. the other way. It's going down. Thanks again to our partner, Spoke, Sirius XM's new app that allows you to listen to podcasts, radio programs, and documentaries curated for you. Go to hearspoke.com slash at will now.